Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts. I was on the GameTime app this past weekend trying to get in the door at Syracuse Georgetown College basketball game down in D.C., And I'm telling you, it really does work when you actually wait just before the game starts. You can find tremendous deals to get into the arena. It is the way you should be doing it if you do want to get into some games of high attendance levels. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Ticket section of the app. Create an account. And then under the Billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC all one word. Once again, that's The Athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That is free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, so do it quick, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019, so make moves fast and score last-minute tickets. Welcome back to Glue Guys. This is Mike Arcelo Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com, The Athletic, Twitch, twitch.tv slash Glue Guys. Brian, the Nets are back. Wow. They're really back this time, Mike. <laughs> they really are. Did you watch? Did you watch the big gamey? I watched the big gamey yesterday. I will admit I did not watch on Saturday night. I you pick, you doing, picked a good one. You I was knew. doing something very important. You had a bad feeling. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we all had a bad feeling that the Raptors game was not going to turn out the way we wanted it to, though, from my watching it on my phone, you know, score watching, it was closer than the experts predicted. That Sixers game, though, was a delightful Sunday affair, if I do say so myself. <laughs> wow. You are feeling saucy today. I am feeling I, I tweeted saucy. out that you were in great spirits, and I was joking, <laughs> but now I'm inclined to think that... Uh, I'm feeling great. It's real. Holiday shopping is mostly all done. Um, I have a new coffee mug. If you're on Twitch, you can see it's a corgi. Yeah. A little corgi mug there. Nice. You know who's on Twitch right now is your boy Doodling 2. Oh. The hot take. He says Kuriks, Kuriks. We'll Oops. have a resurgence under the mentorship <laughs> of Wilson Chandler and have a breakout season. Um, interesting. That is a spicy take and probably the opposite of what's going to happen, which is that Wilson Chandler <laughs> is just going to steamroll the last little bit of the rotation that he's carved out for himself. Although he did get some, some minutes against Toronto, weirdly. We got a whole new rotation going on. <laughs> what, like, what happened weird, here? What a weird team that this is because before we're playing Amon Shumpert and Nawaba and we're playing the guys that we know and then suddenly it's Wilson Chandler, it's uh, Rodin's Karutz comes in. Uh, Timo, one sec, let me get my pronunciation guy out here. Beautiful. Um, I've been practicing my French. So this pod will be a lot of the new people in the rotation that suddenly revive Wilson Chandler, uh, the big Frenchman coming in, and some thoughts about that. We've also have some email and Spencer Dinwiddie's all-star case, which I've dive deep into but brian um that sixers game was a delight for the eyes 
do you want me to not bury the actual lead, which is probably not the real lead, but I don't want to bury it either way? <laughs> I can't wait to hear where that is. David Nawaba. Ah. You don't think so? Uh, tell me why David Nawaba should be the lead of a Brooklyn Nets podcast <laughs> after they beat the Sixers by 20 ah. points. Tell me. Okay, David Nawaba is going to be having a, a an ascendant second half of the season. You, you mark my words. You the the league is I mean the league no but the Nets league's on notice <laughs> the league is on notice some Nets fans will notice that David Nwaba I just think that his um so we, we have an email from somebody uh, or uh, on Twitter somebody's talking about that uh, TLC we're gonna call him Cabron um, yes. passes the eye test and I have some thoughts about that eye test because I don't think it's as good of an eye test Ooh, as Brian. David Nwaba's right now. <laughs> so, you have the David Nwaba rose-colored glasses on constantly. No, I don't. I, I came in being pretty <laughs> critical of David Nwaba, and he won me over with just the fluidity of his of his um, motion. You know, he's for sure figured out the role the that he's supposed to have on this team. And like, if you look at his stats, they all look pretty impressive. His averages, you know, field goal percentage, three point percentage uh, per thirty six. If you really wanted to dive deep into that too. It's not even that big of a dive deep. It's just that's a, numbers. That's a deep dive per that, 36. That is the guess. shallowest of deep yeah. dives. Uh, that's yeah. actually a dangerous dive if you're going to do it. Yeah, but, um, you, don't wanna, you can hit your head. I totally agree with you, though, that I think over these past, let's say, eight games, ten games, I don't know what they are, but Nawaba has fit more into where he should be, where I, earlier in the season, I think he was playing more down a position, more he's playing bigger than where he was, and now he's shifted more towards guard because – well, particularly with Wilson Chandler coming back and, and Atkinson figuring out his rotation a little bit better. Nawaba's been playing like for your fifth guard. He's pretty nice to have all well, and defensive not only just shooting. That, he can he's uh I mean like they had him guarding Al Horford last night and just stymieing <laughs> him. He was a wall. It was unbelievable. He's you know, he's he's thick where it counts. It's um the Sixers are one of the weirdest teams because obviously if Embiid's in that game, it's a completely different game. We all understand that Embiid it will likely forever kill the Nets. But when you don't have M- Embiid in there, Horford really doesn't have the ability to level up, to go that next level up. He's basically going to be Al Horford no matter who's on the floor with him. He's going to give out assists. He's going to rebound. He's going to play good defense, but he's never going to score enough to be overwhelming. And mm. Ben Simmons is the the weirdest player in the NBA. There's no question about that. I mean, he had, what, 20 points last night? Five rebounds, only three assists, which is kind of interesting for him because he's, you know, typically he gets around eight assists a game. He just, he feels like so, at times, completely unimpactful. Just a complete, just blob out there because he can't shoot at all. And it all depends on him getting to the hoop for his buckets. Mm. Um, And he will be a part of the Spencer Denny All-Star case that we will have later in the show. I think that, um, like, he should... And I hate to say it at this point, oh, no. but he should be he should be watching a lot of Pascal Siakam tape right now because <laughs> that is the that is like the better version of like that that body type and you know what he should I mean like Pascal Siakam is concerning just with those strides coming down the paint every time and um, like when Ben Simmons is at his best is he's doing a lot of that same stuff but obviously he can't shoot the same way that Siakam can. Um, but he just doesn't like he, – he's not a, a focal point for me. It's not like I'm, I worry about uh, the Ben Simmons matchup when we play the 76ers. It's just not a concern. Um, we had Wilson Chandler's return, and you know, there's a few thoughts about him as the player on the floor. I had one thing, though, that I've just been thinking about now is 
you know, obviously we're in this player empowerment era and everything, you know, when we were growing up, the media was so pro owners that like when there was a strike, it was always disguised as like, wow, these greedy players want more money for doing the job that they do. It was always so pro owner and now we're quite pro player. And with Wilson Chandler, who I already love dearly, love him dearly, um, 25 game suspension for doing something that he shouldn't have done, a performance enhancing drug, whatever his excuse may be. Did he, it accidentally. That happens. That happens did it, that's yeah. what he says. Sure. <laughs> He's also <laughs> well, a millionaire whose wow. who's millions are based off of his body. So oh, I, I would I would be surprised that it was an accident, though. Wow. Maybe. There it is. I not just Wilson Chandler, I think pretty much across the board. The only thing that like I, I feel is always it's like if there's a ADHD drug that you were taking that you didn't register with the league because that those are defined as you know performance enhancing drugs at times. I, okay, but that's a subsect, and I don't really care about like, that. My like oh, Ritalin is that what you're talking about? Uh, yeah, like people will take like ADHD, ADD drugs for AD, ADD and ADHD, but in some leagues, I think even in the NBA, that's a banned substance, like uh, Ritalin. Yeah, as you're saying. Um. But I find it interesting that there's all these stories out about Wilson Chandler and it all is from the angle of like we feel bad for him because he's had to sit out for these 25 games. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have empathy, though it's like, I don't know, he kind of did something. He did something and it was wrong and he wow. paid his time. He he sat out for 25 games and now he's going to get to play basketball again full of health sliding into a pretty great situation with the team that, you know, I didn't know this until yesterday, I think, but that Kenny Atkinson was Wilson Chandler's like main assistant coach when he's with the Knicks. Mm -hmm. Kenny was the guy that worked with Wilson Chandler specifically. And Wilson Chandler, from everything we've read about him is kind of already a beloved player on the team. He, he said himself, there's a really good story on ESPN from Malika Andrews about Wilson Chandler's time being off and this kind of goes into what I'm saying about the empathy angle, but he Wilson Chandler even described himself as like, I'm kind of a person that a lot of people like. <laughs> um, and it's been weird to, that's what him saying this. It's been mm. weird to be looked at negatively. Mm. And I, I do like someone who's like a lot of people like me. I'm, yeah. I'm liked by a lot of people <laughs> yeah. um, because I, I, I also empathize with it. Um, yeah. Well, let me tell you this. <laughs> yes. So, you know my policy on PEDs. I'm, yes. I'm not not only do I permit them, I'm in favor of them. And I think it's, you know, <laughs> philosophically, like it's it's just um, an, an unnecessary obstacle to be regulating against them. And we should be more heading in the direction of like, I want if there was like a toxic ooze, like the Ninja Turtles ooze, and you could douse yourself <laughs> with it and, and like morph into something, <laughs> something monstrous and huge, I would be in favor of allowing that. Um, okay, so let me just put that out there. What would happen if the ooze? I forget. Did did um, Shredder get hit with ooze too? Yes. In one of the sequels, I believe he gets oozed at some point and becomes like a monstrous, yeah, Shredder. Right, because if you're gonna play out the the sort of the chemistry of the ooze, we have regular turtles who get right. oozed and become teenage mutant ninja turtles. Hence the What's name. What's interesting is that they become sentient, right? So it should make Shredder like it's like double his intelligence or something, or basically know. become like Mewtwo. Yeah, he should be more like instead of just growing like muscular, he should also get super intelligent. You know? and, but then I think so I feel like, like Akira. You ever see that movie Akira, the anime? No, mm, it's a good. 
I was going to compare it to Watchmen. I know you're not oh, watching, but we had the season plugging fin- away for Watchmen. We had the season finale last night. But if you read the graphic novel, one of the greatest of all time. <laughs> though I am not in position to say that because I read Nintendo Power Pokemon comics, not any other comics growing up. <laughs> but yeah. um, Doctor Manhattan, obviously, he, you know, becomes the only superhero. But he also becomes, you know, multiple layers of intelligence. And if you do become that intelligent, we're talking about sentient sentimentality. Is that a word? Yeah, that's it. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. If you if if Shredder normal sentience, but then had an extra layer of sentience, he probably would not want to be a villain at that point. He would probably just detach from society because he would view the violence that he'd been perpetrating as pointless. Because right. why? You know, if you were a higher being, you'd you'd kind of take a step back and realize everything you've been doing, the small time crime, not worth it. And then he has to live in exile in a monstrous body, and you know he's a he's got all this criminal past, and the, the feds are after him. I mean, this is the the Ninja Turtle sequel we all deserved. Anyways, um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't Wilson know. Chandler, you yeah, know, looked Wilson good. Chandler. Looked good. Looked yeah, good big. out there, man. I, it was a nice to have an appropriately like sized yes. power forward for once. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. I th- I was like, oh, okay, this is what a small ball four should mm-hmm. look like. This is, you know, he's whatever. He's six six, six seven, maybe six eight. He's listed two thirty five. Looks more like two forty five. Also doubtful of that, Brian. Wow. Okay. Um, you're just you're. There's indictments <laughs> flying around Wilson uh, Chandler. I've been watching a lot of the. Uh, never mind. I don't want to talk about what I've been watching lately. Jesus. Too much. Too much. Too much news to be taking into my eyes. But um, especially this time. But the I I. I want to see more from Wilson Chandler. There's an obvious reason why they kept him over Amon Shumpert. They easily could have cut Wilson Chandler as well. But the team wanted to keep him around because he's apparently been crushing it in practice. And he does offer better balance for this roster than the guard-heavy, the the two-guard-heavy roster they had before with Amon Shumpert. He, well, let me ask you this yes. really quick. Your boy Chinny on Twitch is asking, Please. or is just flying it out there. He looked chubby to me. That's what he says. That's not what I'm saying. Is that? I don't think so. You don't think so? I think that's beard troubles, right? He had a, a, a lush beard, and I think you think you, that's all. That's just beard weight. <laughs> that's all. We we base a lot off of a person's a weight true, over actually. their face. You know, that's what we can see. It's like Donovan McNabb. I don't know. You know how much of a football fan you were back in the day, but Donovan McNabb was classically always thought of as fat because he has a chubby face and he wore uh, rib protectors as a quarterback, which makes you look like you're a chunky little boy. Um, I think Wilson Chandler is a victim of fat face via beard. Mm. And I, from what That's I understand, what my, my, when I do have a beard, my wife says it makes it like I have like an extra 15 pounds on me. I mean, so there's a little bit of truth to that. at least. Yeah. So I think, and also apparently the thing about Wilson Chandler is that he's been, they call him the cardio king inside the Nets locker room. Is that What does that mean? I don't really understand it. Is it because he has no cardio? Is that the, the joke? No, I think the joke is that like all he's he been able to do. immediately last night. Yeah, like <laughs> all he's been able to do is to be on the bike or a treadmill because ah, he can't, you know, be doing the normal things that Ooh, other it's, players do. It's a do. ribbing, eh? It's, it's one of those classic locker room ribbings. Mm. Um, you know who doesn't deserve a classic locker Here room ribbing? Here we go. Um, Timote Lawawu Kabaro. My man, looking looking pretty good out there. 18 minutes for Toronto, 23 minutes against the Sixers, 15 points over two games. Looks physically like he belongs out there much more than our boy John and Musa. Um, yeah. I'm liking what I'm seeing from TLC. 
see how easy it is to like, I, you know, this is something I'm just going to be repeating myself and I hate to do it, but Musa's issue is that he's not fitting into the, we have this like triple threat ethos on this team. You know, our whole, our whole deal is built around swinging the ball, not letting it stick, either passing it, shooting it or driving it as soon as it graces your hands. And Cabaron is at least, I mean, his, his like decision-making is not like quite, quite there yet, but there's like, it's already leaps and uh, shoulders above Zana Musa, um, which is trouble for, for Musa. It's just, he's going to be losing some minutes here. So, wh- okay. My question for you is what do you want out of that spot? So we understand we have the starters, the, the primary backups, <laughs> but then we have this, this position that the Nets obviously don't know what they want from it yet because they've tried Musa, Karutz, and now it's TLC. What what do we want from that spot? So I think what's interesting um, is that those, like, for me, Karutz and um, Musa are two, like, atypical players for our system, right? Like, if we're running out Torian Prince, Garrett Temple, Wilson Chandler, TLC... You know, all of those guys fit like a pretty like with with only a little bit of variation, a pretty strict paradigm of of what this team is supposed to be. Like they, those guys aren't playmakers; they're no. they are triple threat dudes, as I've been saying. Um, and when you get Kirks and Moose out there, and you see even when they get together for for garbage time with those those perilous minutes when on the floor together, that is the most rickety <laughs> shit you've ever seen. And it's because the system is invented for players that don't do what they do, which is, you know, um, which is problematic for for them. So I mean, the the thing is, what I want to see from that from that position is just consistency with regards to our the rest of our you know game plan here. Um, I, I don't need to see. X factor Rodian's Kurics if he's just going to be a ball of anxiety about it, you know, like just do the thing if you're going to do it, but don't, don't make me worry about it. <laughs> I mean, so I, I am so wishy-washy on our boy Musa. I'm, I'm a seesaw over here going back and forth about how I feel about him. Last night, he made me about as mad as I've been at him all season long. The game was a blowout. I tweeted this out and I understand you know, I was in I was in a dark place. Maybe I was preparing for the end of Watchmen, but Musa goes. It's like a minute left. They get a turnover. Nets are up by twenty. Musa takes a pull up three point shot with Henry Ellenson sitting underneath the hoop. There is a defender near him, but Musa one the two things that he should have done in that play is either not do a pull up three, but go straight to the hoop, dish it off to Ellenson, get yourself an assist, and get your teammates some points. Or you just keep, you pull it out and you kill the clock because the game's about to be over. But what Musa does is immediately gets the turnover and immediately puts up a pull-up three. And to me, I know that's a small thing, but it's the almost irreversible DNA defect in John and Musa, which is like, gunner's gonna gun, shooter's gonna Mm -hmm. shoot. That kid is going to, no matter what you do and no matter what you tell him, He's going to want to put up that shot. You know, we talked about the Zach Lowe thing that Zach Lowe said in his 10 things I like and don't like was that Musa has the biggest gap between confidence and production in terms of Musa's confidence is sky high and his production is not that great. And it's like, I want to take him aside. I want to grab those slumpy shoulders, Brian. And I want to say to him, this is what you have to do. I want you to be a success because I see that talent. This is all you have to do. All you have to do is more make the right pass, more look for your teammates, and then stay open on offense 
and a ball will come to you, and then you'll get your shot. But don't take a pull-up three if you're trying to prove that you should be a part of this team. That's not going to impress Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks at this moment. What they want, and the reason why our boy TLC is getting a little run here, is what TLC does is more in the flow of the offense, moves the ball. It's what Nawaba, why Nawaba is getting consistent minutes. It's it's about being a part of the offense as of trying to be the offense, which is what Musa does. I I think Musa's not, he's not he's not as if he's it's not that he's like done right. I'm not saying that, but he does need to um, realize the opportunity that is there and to play within the system. He was doing it earlier in the season, and it's wobbled. As of late, Brian, I'm mm. worried about our man, Musa. You had to attack the shoulders, didn't you? Just because you've got <laughs> alpha male broad shoulders, Mike, doesn't mean you can go after everyone else. <laughs> Slight hips and yeah. stooped shoulders. That would be my my scouting report. If I was doing a draft scouting report, you know, if you're part of The Athletic, uh, which I hope you are, go to theathletic.com slash glue guys. There's a writer named Bob McGinn, who's an NFL writer, who has had these like phenomenal NFL scout reports where he like for going back decades where he'll have uh, an anonymous scout telling him, you know, John Elway doesn't have the arm to make it in the NFL. Mm. And if I was that anonymous scout writing for any, you know, giving my information to anyone who's an NBA draft analyst, I would be saying slight hips and stoop shoulders. I don't know about John and Musa scares me a bit. And that, and then I would be that guy in the right. scene of Moneyball where they're like, the guy has a hot girlfriend. Yeah, uh, he, he's going to be a good player in Major League Baseball. Brian. Nice. Um, Do you want to get to some emails? Real quick. Oh, okay. I wanted to tell you about the holiday season and that oh. it's here, okay? My gosh. And we know that the holiday season, what it means for fo- football fans, it means bowl season. As in well over 30 bowl games before the championship game on January 6th, if that's not enough to get you excited, the playoff push is underway for the pros. Do you need even more to get excited, Brian? Give it to me. The DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on all the action and more 24-7, 365 days a year. With so much going on this week, they have great promotions running every day, especially this week. DraftKings is giving away eight days of sportsbook gifts. Eight days mean a lot to me in the holiday season, this holiday season. Be sure to check out the Promos tab on the DraftKings Sportsbook app each of the eight days leading up to Christmas to open your daily gift. You definitely don't want to miss what's in store for Christmas Day. With promos like these, it's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Here's what I'm going to tell you to do, Brian. Okay? Hit me. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code QUICK. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet when you sign up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with the code QUICK to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey only. Restrictions apply. Seaside for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Nice. Let's do email. Um, wait, real quick. Yes. It's your boy doodling too in <laughs> chat question do you think nick claxton should be getting more minutes i think he has potential he's just very raw right now and then shinny suggests is he injured is click is claxton injured mike what do you know about this Did, what are your sources telling some you? knee issue or something at one point not that 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 is why he's not playing but i think there's like a nick claxton knee issue that i'm not 
that I should be up on as being a podcaster for the Brooklyn Nets. But hey, we can't, you know, we can't know everything. Um, he was on the injury report on November 30th for a knee <laughs> issue, but he that was a probable, as in, like, he'll probably play in that game. And I pr- I'm pretty, pretty sure he did play in that Heat game that I'm talking about. Um, you know, the Nick Claxton thing, we've talked about it over the span. He obviously has talent. He is interesting. Um, but I also feel like I kind of want to keep seeing this uh, musical chairs type game that Kenny's doing with that final bench playing spot. The guy who's actually going to play on the floor. You know, again, we've had Musa. Musa will play. Musa will go off. Claxon will play. Claxon will go off. TLC will start playing, and I'm interested to see how he continues to grow. Mm. The Nets, and I do want to see if Karutz can rehab his confidence, then come back in, because ultimately he's the guy who is most likely to help the team this season in that spot. I And I, this will spin forward to another point. I wonder how, because of that flexibility, the need to keep trying out players, how much Sean Marks is looking to make a trade. Does he have that desire to figure out that final spot? It's probably not worth it, but, you know, there's a possibility there. You know, it's freaking me out as people invoking Joe Harris's name around Stop. the deadline. Well, it's happening because Stop. of contractual purposes and this freaking tax stuff. Who cares? Joseph yeah, Sai. Joseph Sai is <clears throat> what is he? The richest owner in a, in the NBA, the second richest owner, the, whatever it is. Who knows? He's he's got it though, dude. He's buying up. He bought an esports franchise from Europe or something. He's has the Liberty now. He has a lacrosse team that's probably making bank. Look, I mean, I'm in in agreement with you. I just I just don't like the idea that it's getting floated out there all willy nilly. All right. I'm not. I know. I'm. I was. I was being a little jokey, but honestly, beyond Kyrie and KD, I think Joe Harris is the third most important player on this team. When you have Kyrie and KD, because when you do have those two players, you're going to want a top three shooter in the NBA who also plays the right way, who does other things, tries really hard on defense, can handle the ball a little bit in a pick and roll situation. You're going to want that guy. He's going to be worth whatever amount of money is going to be thrown his way, and it's going to be a lot of money. But mm. he is worth having him alongside KD and Kyrie, having that really distinct three-point threat. He personifies the system for me. You know, it's it's really the living incarnation <clears throat> of our of our system. SGG in Twitch, uh, SGG94, mm. who are three contractual comparisons to Joe Harris. Well, so Buddy Heald's the most test. Buddy yeah. Heald's the most recent one that people don't really want to compare Buddy Heald and Joe Harris, but Buddy Heald is just Joe Harris, but not as good of a shooter, but willing to take way more shots. So that's what Buddy Heald is. But Buddy Heald's a two guard who shoots the three an awful lot and is good at it. Um, and what did Heald get? Like twenty, twenty-five million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, along- I mean, his volume is significantly up. I mean, let's not. Yes. Yeah. But but that is the kind of so it's like people want to say Kyle Corver. It's not Kyle Corver. I mean, obviously Pete Kyle Corver is amazing. So I, I'm not saying that as a slate against Mr. Kyle, but they're different. They are different players. Uh, I don't know who I'd rather have at their peak, but you know you can pretty much pick. There's only about five players in the NBA who is really actually like Joe Harris. They, there's a lot of guys that want to be like Joe Harris. But, you know, J.J. Redick was traditionally has been for the long time sort of that spot. Kyle Korver has been that that spot. But I still think it's not the same because J.J. Redick, 
J.J. Reddick is sort of, in my mind, like a modern Rip Hamilton in that he's like known for just like putting miles on the guy that's guarding him um, to like get to his open shot. But like Joe Harris is a formidable driver to the rim. Yes. You know, in a way that like none of those other guys really are. Um, so. I mean, anyway. it's going to be 15. It's going to be at least 15 million dollars a year. Doodling too, saying three years, 45 mil. Does that check out? Well, so, OK, Torian Prince got two years, 30 mil. Right. And they're different players. But I would I would I would think more teams in the league value Joe Harris than they value uh, Torian Prince. And someone said this on Twitter to us about or I, maybe I picked it up on someone else on Twitter. But if you look at all the two guards available next summer in free agency, DeMar DeRozan would be number one in most people's estimations. But number two could be Joe Harris. And what I would say is that more teams are going to be interested in Joe Harris than DeMar DeRozan. It's like DeMar's probably still going to get a max contract or close to max. Where like Joe Harris isn't, but he'll fit within the budget of most more teams. And pretty much every team's going to be like, shit, we kind of want Joe Harris. Uh, Davis Bertans, if anyone's been watching the developments in D.C., is along the same lines where like he's shooting 50% from three this season mm-hmm. and is amazing. Um, making really hard shots. I watched like a couple of these like highlight packages of him there. He's just, um, those aren't easy shots, Mike. So are you, let's kind of go back to what you were saying though, a little bit. Are you, are you concerned at all? Like, or would you be willing to pay any price understanding that it's, yeah, it's not your money, but like, where are you? Not well, not any price, but like I mean, I'm just trying to think about like what's actually a competitive price out there on the market. Maybe I don't know. Um, it's hard to imagine Joe wanting to go play for another team. Also, there's like there's a little bit of that. I think he's the kind of guy that I don't know. Is is that going to factor into any part of this argument for you? Like no. there is a little bit of quid pro quo there, or is he just ready to sign off to the highest bidder? If, is it if it's a matter of $2 million a year difference or something. Is that going to be enough to, to pry him away? I I, th- I think he'll... he'll you can't s- underbid him. I, I don't think you can underbid him. I, I mean, I think most players in the NBA are always going to go to the highest bid. Though, though recent history says Karis LeVert got an under-market contract for what he is. Though That's he what did I'm get, saying. And Spencer Dinwiddie did take... Le- and Spencer's come out and said... I'm pretty sure he's come out and said, essentially, yes, I took less to be in Brooklyn because I knew Look, like, I'm not coming. saying that it's I'm not saying it because it's like a, it I think it also makes financial sense if you you're you know there's a, a devil you know kind of argument there if you get traded and you go to like whatever I don't know some you know hinterland Cleveland whatever it is mm-hmm. back to Cleveland and then you ended up out of the rotation and your next contract is like significantly impacted because of it if you really are betting on yourself to have another like you know, seven or eight years in his career, which, you know, Joe Harris, he's got the kind of game that you could easily play that long. Um, then I think it's, it's not, it's not as, it's like, um, it's, it could be seemed as conservative, but it's also like, you know, you're, you're betting on yourself to have a longer career. And this doesn't mean it's, I mean, this is such like a lame NBA insider point, but Joe Harris's agent is Mark Bartlestein, and he's one of the super agents in the NBA known to be a guy who gets his guy their money. Um, as lame as that sounds to say, that is lame. That's horrible. Yeah. But so Joe Harris went from being, uh, barely on any rosters to a reclamation, not a reclamation project, a clumation project in Brooklyn. And it became one of the best shooters in the NBA during his time here. 
has made some money, though hasn't had the big contract. And he's 28 years old. I probably will be, what, 29 during free agency or whenever the next season starts. This is the time to get a big contract. He's also entering a free agent market that is one of the worst we've seen in a decade in terms mm-hmm. of the amount of talent that will actually be out there. There, There's not going to be all that many teams with cap space, though. Again, pretty much every team is going to want a guy like Joe Harris. So there'll be a lot of bidding for him. Um, they will also see, because of the success in Brooklyn, the the you know the rising up from the ashes, Joe Harris is a contributor in that. And you can kind of sell it to an owner of like, if you're a bad team, uh, I don't know, the Kings or Hornets or whoever's out there that's going to have uh, Atlanta Hawks. I mean, the Atlanta Hawks, I could see them paying Joe Harris a lot of money because they have a lot of young players. They love three-point shooting. They already have Alan Crabb. Um, I could see them just throwing a whole bunch of money at Joe Harris knowing that, like, we're going to put him with Trey Young and Kevin Herter and uh, all of our other young players, and he's just going to help us kind of guide us along, like, in the way that he was a part of the Rising from the Ashes experience that's in Brooklyn. I don't trade him, though. You, I, I, I hope I can pay him enough money that he will stay, and you hope that it's not an insane amount but if you trade him you're they're not tanking the season but you're crushing the the you're lowering the ceiling of your season significantly he is even though he was bad last year in the playoffs he is incredibly crucial to what they do and they don't really have a replacement for him Torian Prince is a different player he's not Joe Harris they're both really good three-point shooters but not the same player it's you can't. I mean, uh, Brian. Why did you even bring this up? This is, Sorry, my mistake. I'm I clumped over here, Brian. <laughs> That's my. That was my bad. Sorry, everybody. Um, let's get some emails in. Let's go to something totally different. Yes. Um, <clears throat> this is actually just a nice one from True Boy Stephen Scarpula. You know, old friend, old emailer. The Nets. By the way, netspod at gmail.com. Oh, wow. I'd love to get the email sphere back up and running, full steam. It's um, it's coming, it's coming back, and we're resurrecting it. So, um, we're gonna get to all of your emails. He says, this is Steve, true boy. Um, lads, move to move down here. This is about New Orleans. 7.5 years ago, I spent my first 30 years in NYC, but married a Southern gal. Would love to take out any BK Nets fan coming down to NOLA for wow. a meal. If you know of anybody, holler at me. Love the pod. So I'm willing to play a matchmaker here. If anybody's taking a trip down to New Orleans for this Pelicans game, <laughs> um, you know, hit me up and I'll put you guys in touch and... You got free dinner from from your boy Steve, so that's how that's how Glue Nation works. It's just reciprocity, egalitarian. It's a communist cult, basically. <laughs> um, I will say, I think if you're going to go to any away game, like actually go away, like obviously Philly is an away game, or the Knicks are an away game, but those are attainable spots. But if you're going to go away, away, uh, New Orleans is like top three on the list, <clears throat> not because you're going to get a cheap ticket, you're going to get in the the stadium. You might as well use the Game Time app. When you get in there, because that's a great app to use if you want to get a ticket inside the stadium. But you're going to get a ticket. You're going to see an entertaining game because both teams are going to be running up and down the floor. You're likely going to see a Brooklyn Nets win. There's going to be some interesting players, some talent to see. Um, That would be a top three. And the food. I mean, the whole city is amazing. And there's a waiting for you, courtesy of Steven Scarpula. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, Next up, another fun one. This is from Sean Goodfriend. Hmm. A good friend of the pod. I uh, says, hey, <laughs> I was wondering if you guys could come up with a nickname for Dinwiddie. Yes. Basketball reference usually has some interesting, he's putting in quotes, meaning bad, lame, uh, nicknames listed for players. 
I was thinking of maybe Crypto or Dinwiddie Dalla because of his ICO. Um, anyone want to weigh in on those? Also, Claxton and Durant both share Slim Reaper as a nickname. And can you come up with a new one for Clax? Um, Sean, thank you. Um, well, good idea for Dinwiddie. And feels like Dinwiddie, there's something, there's a, you know, uh, a musicality to his last name that's like, it. there's got to be a perfect pun in there somewhere, but I just can't think of it. Um, I'm also bad I, at puns. I, yeah, I don't want to even go down there. I, you, you I don't mean, even want to come say, up with it now. You don't but... want me to say what I'm what is in my head. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm, now I'm concerned. Spin witty. But... I mean, come on, Brian. I didn't like it. I, I don't know. Want it. You didn't want it. <laughs> I so what I just did was I googled the father of the bonds market because that okay that's where my mind goes now when I think sure. of uh, Dinwiddie and what pops up is a guy named Louis Ranieri, but. Couldn't tell you, he worked for Solomon Brothers. Um, okay, so Spencer Ranieri. Wow. <laughs> wow. I have, we, we have a good one for Claxton that you, I think you've partly created, but Robot Bambi is, I think, a great, <laughs> great name because it, 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 it really encompasses everything that Nick Claxton's bringing to the game. He's a baby deer who's running around. Not sure of his legs yet, but also has this like freakish mm. level of athleticism and skill, like a robot. So he's robot mm. Bambi, uh, Terminator Bambi. That's that's probably a deep cut. That you know, in the references, they'll have like five <laughs> nicknames that'll that'll be closer to the end of that. I mean, really, his is just like Clax or like Nikki or something lame. Nikki, like that's that. nice. Nikki's good. Um, um, we'll think of the Dinwiddie one, and and we're invoking Glue Nation, obviously, in this. If Chad ever wants to start throwing them out there, we can do a straw poll. Who knows what? We'll figure this thing out. But I, will, I will give Dinwiddie. He is a good phrase about him. His own phrase, which is "tech guy with the jumper." That is a pretty nice little encapsulation of his own self, at least how he views himself. I do like that. That's that's a nice like phrase, but that's not a nickname. That's not how it all goes. No. Um, well, anyway, so that's everyone's got homework to do uh, on that. Um, <laughs> next up is your boy Nathan Upson. Oh, yeah. Writing to netspot at gmail.com. Everybody, please start flooding my inbox. Um, says this is from a couple of days ago, so keep that in mind. Loving these Kyrie less nets as much as the forever enshrined 2018 2019 Russell run, it's being led by the diamonds in the rough we found. Harris slash Dinwiddie mm. slash Allen supplemented by the non-all-star ads. Prince slash Jordan slash Temple. What does concern me is what we saw in Boston with Kyrie. However, not the useless Bill Simmons type commentary of Irving <laughs> having leadership issues. Shots fired, by the way. Um, just want to say big Bill Simmons fans here. This is, this is from our email sphere, not from us. It is the problem of too much talent and not enough ball. Would like to hear your thoughts as to how Kenny may ta- may look to manage this, or whether you even think it could be an issue. Was this a problem with Brad Stevens? Couldn't handle potentially due to clashing personalities, or maybe is an experiencing managing star slash rising star talent? Well, okay, so I I'm a big uh, proponent of if there's something awkward, if like let's say you, you, you're you have a friend that's like you haven't really been great friends with, and you know you're going to be there's like some kind of falling out, and you know you're going to be in the same room together. To immediately go up and just say hello, immediately say hello, okay? Because if you let How it linger- How often does this happen to you? Do you get a lot of falling out friendships? Is all, this a- Brian, all the time. <laughs> yeah. you, you're my only- Well, yeah. we've had 18 falling outs uh, like we, we, as we do the, doing this That's podcast. funny because I don't even realize that we're falling out well, when we it, are. It seems in like. my head, I have been. Yeah. 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 
Um, I, you need to immediately address it. So, okay, what does that mean for Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie, the Nets? What it means is that the first end-of-game situation that Kyrie comes back, we're going to have Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyrie Irving on the floor. If I am Kyrie Irving, and I would suggest this to him, let Spencer have the ball, e- no matter what, even though you're the guy who hit the shot in the finals that won it for Cleveland and all that good stuff, that one moment, that first game where there's an end-of-game situation where you're there with Spencer Dinwiddie, the emerging all-star Spencer Dinwiddie, just let him, Spencer Dinwiddie, have that final shot. Because that one time you do it, the first time you do it, will will pop the tension bubble if there is even a tension bubble above their heads. Like 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 going to Nickelodeon and you're playing on that Mark Summers game show. What was the one where there's like ooze and stuff? Anyways. If you hadn't called it the Mark Summers game show, I would have come up with it right away. What the Mark Summers wait, game show? You, what the hell is it? You know, well, I'm going to start Googling. Double Dare? Double Dare. Double, yeah. <laughs> Mark Summers. Why, why would I? That <laughs> yeah. is lame. Um, yeah. I always sympathize with the hosts or empathize with them. Um, anyways, I don't know. You, feel, you are kind of like a, that could be a next career for you someday. I'm trying, trying very hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we, and we will play a game coming up in the next pod that will go very much along those lines. And oh, we yeah, do need, true. we should invite, what we should do is like find someone oh, yeah. within our sphere to be a part of that within the glue guys nation. But we'll figure do, that out. Do you want to give the concept and see if it, see if it sinks or do you want to, we'll keep it. Keep well, it I want to keep it because I don't, people yeah. steal our ideas all the time. Yeah, Brian. that's true. That's true. Um, but basically Kyrie Irving. So I, it's incumbent on Kyrie Irving and Spencer Dinwiddie, but mostly Kyrie, to make this, uh, you know, Kyrie's reinsertion in the lineup uh, copacetic, right? Mm. Is that uh, yeah? The I I I want Kyrie to cede some type of ownership of the team over to Spencer at least initially, and then you can kind of get back in the rhythm of Kyrie taking that end of the game shot or however it works out. It's going to work out. Spencer's been so good over this stretch that Kyrie needs to fit in a little bit with Spencer, though obviously we know at the end it's all going to be about Kyrie and KD, and Spencer's just going to be an element of those two, you know, stars, basically. Man. Sorry. Sad. Sad to say. Um, Shall I go to the next one? Yes. This one's from your boy LJ Johnson, who's one of the top memers in the email sphere so any other memers out there you got your work cut out for you um says i was just wondering when you guys believe rashad vaughn will be elected to the nets hall of fame considering he literally will be the reason why they win three straight titles when KD and Kyrie come back after the famous february 6th 2018 game in which is as per 36 was zero nine zero Sean Marks was like, damn, this guy's price just went up and then traded him for Dante Cunningham. Then Dante Cunningham was low-key Pascal Siakam before Siakam was Siakam. And then Sean Marks is like, damn, old guys are hype. And then they added <laughs> Napier, Davis, and Dudley. And then KD and Kyrie were like, wow, I want to be Jared Dudley and rep the black and white. And now the Nets are on the verge of greatness. I hope I can still write in Rashad Vaughn for this year's All-Star Game because he deserves it. Please let me know if you have any info on Rashad Vaughn's number 17 will be hung in the rafters of Barclays. Um, solid meme. <clears throat> solid meme, LJ. Um, One of the and best. And that is all the ones that I pulled. So thank you to The Sphere, as ever. And uh, don't hesitate. If you're thinking about writing an email, don't hesitate. Fire it off. Um, we will get to Spencer Dinwiddie's all-star chances next. But first, Brian, we talk a lot about physical fitness. We talk about it all the time. You know, it's really it's, it's something I, I value greatly in my own life. Um, and I know you do as well. 
But there's a whole other side to that game that's just as important, and for both of us, probably more important. Talk about mental fitness, okay? Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation and has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your brain, okay? So Calm is is going to put you in that mindset. I think it's like a wonderful thing to get someone, though, you know, it's a gift at this time of the year that you can really say it's going to get gift that's going to keep on giving. Okay. That's what this calm.com is going to do. I'm going to tell you how you're going to get a 40% discount on an annual membership. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount on an annual membership at calm.com slash. Glue. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash glue. That's calm.com slash glue. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. So this is an emerging storyline that has been happening since Kyrie went out and since Spencer's been in the starting lineup. Spencer Dinwiddie is an ascendant player in the NBA. You have national media. I heard Zach Lowe and John Hollinger talking about that Spencer Dinwiddie is really good. That's a direct quote from Zach Lowe. Okay. (laughs) So Spencer, is he an all-star? That is a question that I tried to dive deep into. Brian, but first, I know you probably don't care, but is he an all-star? Do do you think in your head Spencer Dinwiddie is an all-star? So I have a hard time with these types of questions because the the politicking of the like it's this the 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 institution of the All Star Game for me feels very like unpredictable for some reason and I don't really I mean I haven't paid attention to it in a long time yes. so I don't and I also have a hard time continuing to be aware of the stock of other players with similar positions around the league and everything like I just I stop paying attention to other teams and stuff eventually you know how it is yeah. Um, so with all that in mind, <laughs> I, I personally like, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like it, it, he is the reason why we are winning games, you know, it, that we are still competitive, that we have had this resurgence. Um, his statistics are good. Uh, not are. great, but good. Yes. Um, so it's like a fringe case in my opinion. And obviously I'm rooting for it, but uh, I'm not going to be butthurt about it if it doesn't happen. It's sort of my take. Um, and Nets fans are familiar with fringe cases because D'Angelo Russell was the fringiest of fringe cases last year and got in because of Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo was hurt, so he they needed an injury replacement and D'Angelo Russell moved into that slot. So we as Nets followers are familiar with fringe cases because if Kyrie was healthy all year... One, we wouldn't really be talking about Spencer Dinwiddie as an all-star because this Dinwiddie-assance wouldn't be happening to this level. And Kyrie would have been a, an assured all-star. He would have, he would just be, he would have been fan-voted in. If not fan-voted in, he would have been coach-voted in. You know, he would have been an all-star. There's no question. Um, okay, so here's the just the basics. I kind of want to lay this out before we dig into the details. Um all-Star team is made up of at least four guards, though possibly could be six, if even seven, depending on how you kind of do positional matchups, okay? Um, to me already, if you look at the Eastern Conference, and it is interesting, I urge everyone, go to ESPN.com, go to the stats. The way you said urge. I urge him. I, wow. Please, please do this. Um, go go check out just point points per game again it's the most reliable stat for how we're going to reward people cuz points per game is the thing we still care the most about go you can go position by position you can go break it down from eastern conference only so you can really get a good look at it 
to me, there are already three locks at guard that are going to be on the Eastern Conference all-star roster. Trey Young, just because his stats are so exceptional and so much better than pretty much everyone else. So he's probably going to be in, though his team stinks, and it would be understandable to leave him off like in the way you did like Devin Booker in the West. But again, Trey Young in the East is going to be in. Kemba Walker is going to be a lock to me because the whole Kyrie-Kemba narrative, the Celtics are really good this year. Kemba's stats really aren't all that impressive, but they're going to reward a couple of players than the Celtics, and I think Kemba's going to be the first guy that they reward because he's their best player. He's going to be a lock, even though he's only 23-5-3, and three, five assists, three rebounds. Not that impressive, but he's going to get rewarded. And finally, Bradley Beal. I think everyone in the NBA feels bad for Bradley Beal, so he's just going to get in, and his stats are phenomenal, 28-7-5. and five. So he's in. I think those three guys are locks. So that's S- SGG94 saying yes. Ben Simmons. So that's what I'm going to get to. Okay. Wow. And okay. Okay. So there are, to me, there are two tiers of contenders for that guaranteed fourth spot, though in the East, you may take five guards or six guards, whatever, however it really works out. To me, the three primary contenders, Spencer Dinwiddie, Spencer Dinwiddie stats, 21 points per game, six assists, and three rebounds. And again, he, as you labeled, he's the reason why this team is 14 and 12 and not, you know, eight and I don't know how to do math, but eight yeah. and 20. Is that math? No. Sure. Heck, sure. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, actually, 8-18, eight eight, I think, would it be. Okay, the three best contenders for that third, fourth guard spot, Fred Van Vliet, only because he's 18-7-4, but he gets credit for last season's finals for being the X factor in the finals. He kind of gets credit for that. The Raptors are so good this year, and it's actually tough to figure out who would be an all-star beyond Pascal Siakam. Fred Van Vliet may get the classic... Team good, we need to, Fred Van Vliet, you're up. Uh, ben Simmons is on there, and Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon, I think, may get in because of the credited of we need to find one good player. Well, the Pacers actually deserve two credited players. Sabonis is probably definitely an all-star, and Malcolm Brogdon is maybe an all-star, though that can be debated. I think he's basically in line with Spencer Dinwiddie. Malcolm Brogdon, 19 points, 8 assists, 4.5 rebounds a game. Here's my thing about Ben Simmons, okay? Of course, we know him as one of the best defenders in the NBA, uh, incredibly dynamic at times, and as we talked about before and as we saw in the game last night, he feels almost inessential at times on offense to such a degree that it's hard to reward that. And he's averaging 14 points per game, eight assists, and four rebounds. If his name wasn't Ben Simmons he wouldn't be an all-star. If he didn't have this cachet of being the number one overall pick, if he wasn't thought of as being sort of like Magic Johnson 0.8, you know, he's not 2.0 Magic Johnson. How dare we? He's mm. he's a lesser version of Magic Johnson, though, but yet still of the same iOS system. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Ben Simmons does not deserve to be an all-star, but as you talk about the politicking, there's uh, sort of an inherent bias in voting is as we vote guys in for the first time and the second time, these guys end up getting just punch card in. There's no hanging chads on the Ben Simmons ballot. I think people firmly press down on the Ben Simmons ballot. Another fringe case that is obviously not going to get in for for 
even more robust fringiness, but statistically, you might have a case when you get there is Devontae Graham is having an insane yes. season. So you know? those are my maybes. Zach Levine, I don't, no one's going to vote Zach Levine in because the Bulls stink. And I don't think people really like Zach Levine all that much. Like people as in like in the, in the NBA, I'm not like judging him, but I, I don't like him. I don't like him one bit. I just I think it's know. like, I'm just saying. I just think it's like, we've had enough Zach Levine discussion and his team still stinks. So let's maybe not reward him for being on a bad team. Mm. Devontae Graham is a classic case of like, guy probably actually deserves to be an all-star, but the Hornets are bad and not enough people actually know him yet to credit him to be an all-star. I feel like the Hornets might have like a, a second gear to hit here and, and be like around a 500 team and squeak into the playoffs here. It would make me happy if they made the desperation trade because yeah. their team is so bad, but they've, they've really done it. I mean, Devontae Graham is the reason why. If you're if you're gonna label any reason why a certain team is not horrible, he is that reason. He's the guy that's like ascended this team from one of the worst in the NBA to like respectable. But he's not gonna get to, it, this. Doesn't happen. A guy like him doesn't really get to an All Star game unless if their season is so overwhelming. Half season is so overwhelming. Evan Fournier is up there, twenty three and three. Though, like, are we really doing that? Jalen Brown possibility. He's listed as a shooting guard, but I think most people probably consider him a forward. Not that that really matters. Um, I think if you're, you're going to put Kemba in there, I would put Jason Tatum just above Jalen Brown, also because of street cred, name cred, all that stuff, blah, 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 blah. A lot of cred. A lot of cred. Okay. So here's the, here's the thing. We have Spencer Dinwiddie. Fantastic. The reason why the Nets are where they are. Fred Van Vliet. NBA Finals hero gets rewarded the half season after. Ben Simmons, the big name, who is who everyone would assume would be an all-star, though if you really dig into it, does not deserve to be an all-star. This is the discussion. Malcolm Brogdon is like, uh, we like that guy. He really leveled up this season, almost like the most improved player award, but you give it to him for an all-star nomination or an all-star slot. He's on there. I think the thing that kills Spencer Dinwiddie and this is my thesis, Brian. And usually you're supposed to do the thesis at the top of the page. I'm doing it all the way at the bottom. Cool. The rosters aren't announced until the first week of February. That is not today. That is further away from today than I would like it to be. Mm. Um, in that time, and we hope very soon Kyrie Irving is going to come back. No matter how good Kyrie is, he's going to diminish Spencer's chances of being an all-star because we know... Dinwiddie's not going to have the same opportunity to hold the ball, shoot the ball, do everything that he wants. His usage rate will go down. His productivity will go down. He probably will still start, but he will be, he won't be the focal point of this offense. Kyrie will go back to being at least partially the focal point of the offense. There's just going to be too much time between this ascendance of Spencer Dinwiddie to the actual voting that will ruin Spencer's chances. If Kyrie, not that we want this, but if Kyrie was out until February, Spencer would be an all-star. He would. He would deserve to be an all-star. He would be continuing to play at this high level. He'd be putting up even better numbers. His averages will continue to inch higher because if you just look at his non-Kyrie averages, they're definitively an all-star. But Kyrie's going to come back pretty soon, we think. And Spencer Dinwiddie, during that time with Kyrie, will not be able to put up the numbers that it's going to take to become a first-time All-Star, and you need to put up overwhelming numbers and have a good story to become a first-time All-Star. Thus, Spencer Dinwiddie mm. will not be wow. an All-Star. And there it is. probably no Brooklyn Net will be an All-Star. 
Wow. Because Kyrie's, I mean, Kyrie would have to play extremely well <clears throat> coming back very soon to become an all-star. So there wow. you go. There it is. I'm done. You know what's fun <laughs> hey, is that I record, that we record our, you know, uh, each of our ends and I can just see my audio wave and it's just like a lot of me talking. I mean, that was a bit, that was a nice little piece. You know, you, you had it, you had it figured out. You wanted to say something. You had a thesis for God's sakes. I, I, I appreciate you listening and hanging on. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Um, Um, do you want to get us out of here or what? You got something else? One, one more nugget. And I just want to talk schedule. I always love to talk this Brooklyn at schedule. Cause have you looked at it for the rest of this year? Have you seen the, the whole schedule? No, I haven't looked at it for the rest of the year. Um, so Brooklyn Nets are 14 and 12 right now. I think they're in the seventh seed. There's a bit of a gap between, oh, yeah, Nick Claxton was hurt with a hamstring injury. That's where that injury was. So for everyone who's still listening, who were listening before. Somebody in chat had that right. I think it was Chinny. Perfect. Okay, here's the here's the schedule that. just for the rest of the year, and I, and, and I love it, and I heart it for the rest of my hearts. Okay. We have the Pelicans Tuesday night at Pelicans at the Spurs Thursday night. The Spurs are playing better, but they're still not quite the Spurs. So two possible winnable games, but obviously you can't, you know, bet on that, whatever. But if you would bet on it, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Um, Then home games against the Hawks and Knicks, Brian. Mm -hmm. Then at Houston and at Minnesota. That is your December, okay? Minnesota revenge game. Rockets really revenge game for the Rockets at home. Um, Knicks, Hawks, Spurs, Pelicans, a lot of winnable games. You hope by January 2020, Kyrie Irving is back. You hope that you go at least 500 over that stretch of really not that great teams to okay teams. And if you are, you know, 16 and 14 and Kyrie comes back, then you're okay. And we're all living in a good life. And the Nets then in January have a, a good amount of home games to start. Um, gets interesting. Just gets interesting, Brian. And we'll see how mm. that goes. As SGG94 points out, we don't play another team ahead of us in the East for like three weeks. So well, there you go. That's and, one way of saying it. And there's um, in January, mid-January, to get everyone looking forward here. Mm. There is three home games in a row uh, mid-January. Home for the Bucks, home for the Sixers, home for the Lakers. Those are <clears throat> gauntlets. And mm. obviously, Kyrie should be back for that. That will be a huge test for this team. Wow. And preceding that is a game at Philadelphia. So it's four games right there that are tasty and interesting. But these games, even before that, are also great games to watch. So we'll just be watching along with you and tweeting and twitching and doing everything that we do, Ryan. Beautiful. Um Game on game tomorrow, Tuesday, yeah, yeah, and then potting again on Wednesday, probably right. Yeah. Oh, and um, on that Wednesday pod that we release, we ha- I have Ryan Rucco lined up. We're gonna talk hey. Nets, and we're gonna talk Star Wars because Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker is coming out really Thursday. Um, so that's exciting. Everyone, look for that. You want to know something? And this is well, get us out, and I can do this for the for the stream afterwards. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Hey, well, thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, boy.